passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back, guys, to the Believe in Rams podcast. I'm Jake Ellenbogen, and this is episode 124 of the podcast. Before we get into it, I'd ask that you subscribe on all podcast platforms, including YouTube, not only if you're watching it on Believe's YouTube, but if you're watching on my YouTube, be sure to subscribe to both YouTube channels. So the Rams lost yesterday 24-9 to against the 49ers, or rather last night, and it wasn't great obviously was not great. Um, but there were some things to take away. I understand if you're a Rams fan, you're watching this, you're listening to this, you're thinking the, the world is, the sky is falling. The world is ending. I'm going to pretty much break down this game and tell you exactly why I don't believe that's the case. Uh, it's not good. Uh, it's not an excuse, but there are some things to take away from this game, both good and bad. Um, so we're going to break it down each individual thing. We're going to start off with a quick recap of the game. Looking at it, the 49ers are now 2-2. Two and two. They match the Rams 2-2. Two and two. And now, of course, they have the lead in the NFC West division. They have that tiebreaker. Things can change. The Rams do play the Niners uh, in about a month, so they can still... You know, things can change, but still, you know, when you look at it, that's not obviously ideal. Plus, you always want to beat the 49ers when you're the L.A. Rams. Uh, on the road, the Rams have not beaten the Niners since 2018. That will continue on to next year. Looking at Matthew Stafford, I think when I woke up this morning, I saw a lot of people saying it's Stafford's fault this, Stafford's fault that. He's the reason this and that. Here's my thing, okay? I don't really know what you expect of Matthew Stafford when he's getting pressured a total of 28 times in this game. He was pressured 28 times. That's the second highest pressure rate by a Rams offensive line uh, given up since 2016. The highest was in 2019 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Coliseum with Jared Goff. But this is the highest of Stafford's entire Rams tenure and this is the second highest in, since 2016. The highest is Sean McVay's tenure. I mean, it was brutal. You go in and you have your left tackle, no boom. You have your left guard out because David Edwards was supposed to play. And during the, the week, as it progressed, he actually started complaining about fogginess. And so you always want to be careful with concussions. So they obviously weren't even going to test that. They ruled him out. So in steps Bobby Evans, who is a backup. He did start a game last year. He is not very good. Uh, he is pretty much a replaceable, uh, you know, a replacement level player. Um, but 
he comes in. Then at center, you start the game with Coleman Shelton, who's in. He was the starting right guard to start the year, and now he's in at center taking over for Brian Allen, who is a center. I'm not going to act like Coleman Shelton isn't a center. That is his position, but he takes over for Brian Allen, and then he goes down early on. Hadn't given up a sack at this point in the season until that play where he got hurt. So in steps Jeremiah Colon, who just got added to the active roster, who was pretty much their starting center in preseason. I like Cologne, but throwing him in there, not ideal. There's nothing you could really do, but not ideal. Right guard, Alaric Jackson. He was the third option at right guard because the first option at right guard got hurt. Well, the center got hurt in Brian Allen, which moved the first option, Coleman Shelton, from right guard to center. The second option was uh, Tremaine Ankrum. And Ankrum suffered a season-ending injury. So insert a guy who's pretty much a, an offensive tackle. He had some starts last year. I thought he did very well. And Alaric Jackson is balling out at right guard. Then you look at Rob Havenstein at right tackle. He's struggling. So a lot of, like a mixed bag here. But to assume, you know, go through Matthew Stafford's game, 32 of 48, 254 yards, an interception, seven sacks for 54 yards. He was sacked more than half the length of a football field. That's nuts. He has a 71 passer rating. He comes away with a 42.2 QBR. Not the best day, but again, I don't know what you expected out of Matthew Stafford when Coleman Shelton went down, and they were down to only two of their five starting offensive linemen. Looking at the running backs, Daryl Henderson ran seven times for 27 yards, 3.9 yards per carry average. His longest was a seven-yard run. Cam Akers had eight carries for 13 yards. His longest was a six-yard run. You had a carry for 11 yards on a really nicely well-scripted play uh, for Brandon Powell, and then they didn't use that again. And then Matthew Stafford ran twice for six yards, uh, pretty much scrambling for his life. The Rams ran the ball 18 times in what was predominantly a one-possession game, and they got 57 yards out of it. I felt like they abandoned the run, and I understand you look at the Niners, you look at the run game uh, and what they do against it, their top five defense and DVOA, but to sit here and say that they should just not run the ball would be wrong. Uh, Daryl Henderson has been a model of consistency throughout his career with the Rams, and I still do not understand why they do not buy into him as the guy. I'll have more on that down the road in this podcast, but we're just kind of recapping the game right now and kind of going through each position. So Daryl Henderson, at least in my mind, needs to be utilized more. Uh, it's It's gotten to the point where it's absolutely ridiculous. He's clearly the better back. He offers more. I don't get it. And how can any running back, whether it's Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson, get into a rhythm with this timeshare it's just not conducive to winning football, in my opinion. But anyway, we move on to the receivers. You look at the receivers. Cooper Cup has his career-high reception game with 14. I can't believe this is his career high. I could have sworn he had more than that at one point. 14 catches, 122 yards on 19 targets. Obviously, a lot of people were saying, as much as they love Cooper Cup, why is Stafford only cover, uh, targeting Cooper Cup? It did feel like that. But at the same time, when you're constantly being pressured and things are constantly going wrong, what do you do? 
are you going to go to a guy that you don't really have that much chemistry with, try to force it? Or in a game that you have to win, are you going to try to force it to a guy that you know is going to come down with the catch and know he's going to be in the right position and know you guys are on the same page? I think that was the little dilemma that Matthew Stafford dealt with in regards to Cooper Cup. Um, Tyler Higby had 14 targets in this game. He continues to be second on the team in targets. Surprising season for him, but very needed. 10 catches for 73 yards. Not a ton to go crazy about as far as the yards, but 10 catches, those were important to moving the, the ball and you know continuing drives. Ben Skoranek had three catches or two catches on three targets for 33 yards. He had a drop that I don't really worry too much about because it's not like it really would have mattered anyway. He would have gotten clocked immediately. Uh, Daryl Henderson had three catches on four targets for 12 yards. Kendall Blanton had a catch for seven. Allen Robinson had two catches for seven. And Cam Akers did not have a catch, but he had a target. So the way I see this, okay, you have to diversify your receiving weapons. If you just throw to Cooper Cup, regardless if I'm saying this is an issue or not, regardless if I'm blaming Stafford or not, the defense is going to key in on exactly what you're doing. They're going to know, okay, he goes to the Cooper Cup every time on third down. Boom. They're going to key in on The problem is right now, I don't think there's a lot of uh, separation being created by these receivers. And I think they solely, sorely miss Van Jefferson. There are people that kind of blew it off like, oh, Van Jefferson isn't that great. He's overrated. You're overrating him, yada, yada, yada. No, Van Jefferson is very much not overrated, and he is needed. Because when you stretch the field with that deep threat down the field, obviously that's something they want Tutu Atwell to be. He was inactive for this game. So when you stretch the field with Van Jefferson, it opens up everything over the middle. You could probably get things going even more with Cup even more with Allen Robinson and more with Skoranek and all those guys. But now everything is so confined. You can't go deep down the field because those plays can't develop because you're not getting the protection you need to wait for those plays to actually develop. So there's a lot that goes into an offense. It's not as simple as point and shoot. Just go right to Allen Robinson, get him involved. First off, you guys got to be on the same page. And as of right now, I don't think Stafford and Allen Robinson are on the same page. I don't. Will that change? Potentially, but we don't know. I still have faith in Allen Robinson. I don't think he's washed, and I definitely think he's shown you some things. But I don't like the way the Rams utilize him, and furthermore, I think that they really miss Van Jefferson. And he'll come back after the Week 7 bye. He'll be ready for Week 8 and then some, which I think is honestly, as much as you want him back, he's waiting an extra amount of time. He probably could have come back like Week 6, but they need the roster spot. So they put him on IR. He has to stay there for four weeks. And that sets him up for a week eight comeback. And honestly, a lot of time, he's going to be fresh. And I believe that is the right move because you look at last year, the whole second half of last year, he played injured. That's something we didn't realize until this offseason. So that's something moving forward. Skoranek, people were like, where did the fullback go? Skoranek, the fullback, where was that? Hard to have a fullback when your offensive line is getting pushed into your fullback. It's hard to have a lead blocker when your offensive line is getting pushed into your lead blocker. I mean, it was pretty much neutralized because the offensive line was so bad. So that's something there that you have to keep in mind. Uh, The fumble... 
it sucks. At the end, you want to see the Rams pick it up. I mean, it's not like they had any chance of winning at that point. It, it's really frustrating, the interception, because I don't know. You can blame Stafford, but it's also the protection. It's also the play call. And it's also the fact that, again, you just key in on it. You give the defense. They're going to be just basically chomping at the bit because they know you're going to cup. So it's very easy to telegraph that. A huge pick six that ends the game pretty much uh, at that point. So, you, you know, again, like the Rams were in this game. They're moving the ball on a top five defense, despite the fact they have two of their five starting offensive linemen healthy, despite the fact Van Jefferson isn't good to go, and despite the fact they were averaging 3.2 yards on the ground and they completely abandoned the run. I think Daryl Henderson's 3.9 would have been probably like 4.7, 4.9 if he continuously had carries. Giving him carries sporadically doesn't make any sense. And you should have taken advantage of the fact he had three catches for 12 yards, showing you and showing the defense that they have to keep him honest because anytime this guy could squirt out of the backfield and be a problem, you know, as a pass catcher. So that's the big thing there that I, I just don't think that they're utilizing the run enough. I think it's setting up Stafford for failure. And in addition to that, now you couple that with how bad the offensive line is playing. And I don't want to say that because the last two games, they've been really good. But this game, they just, this was like the first week. Stafford's been pressured 61 times, which is one of the highest in the league. It's higher than Burrow. It's higher than Matt Ryan. It's higher than Justin Fields. And the only thing that is higher than Matthew Stafford right now, the only one who has it worse is Carson Wentz. That's it. So going from last year where I don't even know if you could really find too many games where he was pressured more than 10 times, except for later on in the year, this was ridiculous. This can't happen. You're not going to win games when your quarterback's being pressured 28 times. You're not. So on the defensive side, moving on to that, you look... The Rams defense is getting a lot of uh, praise from some people and is getting a lot of flack. But here's the thing. If you're on the side of the Rams defense needs to tackle better, but all in all, that was a pretty damn good defensive performance to hold the 49ers to 17 points and probably should have won the game. You're probably on the right side there because at the end of the day, the defense can frustrate you. You might not like them playing off their off the ball a little bit off the man, 10 yards, whatever. But it is working this year. And Raheem Morris has set this team up to really win these games. And if they tackle, if if Taylor Rapp makes a tackle there on Debo Samuel, you know, and, and all those guys make that tackle, who knows if they score? Because the Rams defense w- was doing a nice job for the most part. There were a few explosive plays that really blew open the game. And even still, the 49ers couldn't really pull away until the defense got involved in the scoring. I do not have an issue with this defense. The defense right now just allowed 12 points last week and 17 points this week. And guess what? In those games, they are without three of their top four corners. That is saying a lot. In addition to that, they're gaining this experience that is invaluable. We talk about invaluable experience, the experience Skoranek had last year, and now he looks a little bit better this year, a lot better this year. You know, you talk about guys like that getting the opportunity because it's an X-man up league, but how about Darion Kendrick, who's a sixth round pick, who basically has not played to up till week three 
And then week three, they throw him into the rotation. They're like, hey, you're you're going to be matched up against Marquise Brown. Good luck. And he did a decent job. Obviously gave up a lot of catches, but didn't give up a lot of yards and played within the structure of the defense. Then you go the next week, right? And it's this game against the Niners. And he's going up against Sayuk. He's going up against Debo. He had a couple lapses. But aside from that, I mean, this guy can ball. You know, now all of a sudden the Rams kind of, they have to feel good. I mean, I know it was mentioned during the broadcast. I think it was Joe Buck who said they might keep him starting moving forward. So we'll see. Rochelle is on special teams. We haven't even seen Rochelle. So he's already past Rochelle. And then you look at Grant Haley and the way he played. It's some good and some very encouraging signs for those guys, especially because Troy Hill might be out a lot longer than people think with that groin. We don't know how bad that is. Uh, David Long could probably be back next week or, or a week after. And same thing with Jacoby Durant, but Darion Kendrick and Grant Haley are playing well. Uh, the defense, I thought, played well. Um, you know, they didn't generate a ton of pressure because, you know, I really do think they miss Vaughn Miller. I do think they miss that presence on the outside. And I'm not going to say the pressure can't come over time. Um, but when you look at it, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, they're not generating enough pressure, in my opinion. But I thought the defense did play well uh, by all accounts. I mean, you know, that's the thing is like when you you look at it. Um, you know, they had five pressures on Garoppolo and even still, they only gave up 17 points. Normally when you don't put that pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, he's going to make you pay and they're going to make you pay with the run game. But that wasn't really the case. Aside from one explosive play from Jeff Wilson, he was pretty much held in check the whole game. I mean, the guy had what, like 40 something yards. Uh, you know, when you take away the 32 yard run, you know, he ends up with, 42 yards rushing. I mean, the Rams have really held him in check throughout the course of his career versus them. Now, when you look at this game, there are some missed tackles here. You have three missed tackles, key missed tackles. So you have a missed tackle from Ramsey, you have a missed tackle from Rapp, and you have a missed tackle from Ashawn Robinson. And you could say those other guys, maybe they took bad angles, missed tackles on that big play with Debo, fine. But the big one here was Jeff Wilson running through untouched because Bobby Wagner just flat out missed the gap assignment. And that's going to happen. You're going to have that in the heat of the moment. Sometimes that happens. It sucks, but you, you do have to move on and obviously live to play another down. Um, you don't want to give up a touchdown, obviously. But this team not getting sacks on Garoppolo, not getting a ton of pressure, and still getting off the field, forcing field goals, forcing only 17 points, I thought they played well. Uh, I thought when you you looked at it, Wagner had one of his best games of the year, but he had a key miss that led to a touchdown. Aside from that, I thought he played pretty well. Leonard Floyd, I thought played pretty well against the run. Um, you know, obviously he was left alone in coverage. The big play to use check was annoying because nobody was on that side of the field. I thought Ramsey did pretty well. Um, Ashawn Robinson played pretty well. Greg Gaines, obviously Donald and Justin Hollins played well. Terrell Lewis struggled and he definitely shouldn't be left alone in coverage. Um, you know, that could have been huge that to that tight end there, um, you know, deep down the seam to, uh, to Werner. So that was a big one that they missed. And you know, again, Darion Kendrick, I thought played well. In addition to that, I thought Ernest Jones. So, it, it, you know, I watched this game and I'm like, I don't even think Taylor Rapp struggled that much, but his tackling has to improve. It is a problem. And we've seen that. Um, so, 
that's how, you know, I saw the defense. I mean, the defense can get a lot better, no doubt. And I think they're going to, but right now the defense is not the issue. It's the offense. And that's the same thing to be said about the Niners. The defense is the reason the Niners won this game. The offense is ordinary. They had a couple explosive plays because the Rams shot themselves in the foot. They didn't do simple fundamental things like cover and tackle. Um, but, you know, this was two defenses that played well enough to win. And one came out on top because one was forced, was able to force turnovers. Jimmy Garoppolo played a clean game. And normally when Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't turn the ball over, the 49ers are able to win those games. So looking at this game, uh, once again, Stafford was pressured 28 times. He was sacked seven times, which is the second most in the Rams history going back to 2016. Uh, you know, pressured 28 times, which is the second most pressures. The first was 2019 against Tampa at the Coliseum. He was pressured 61 times so far through the first four games. And per Rams pressures allowed in this one, you had uh, Jackson, Alaric Jackson. He gave up three pressures. You had Evans give up seven pressures and a sack. Havenstein gave up three pressures, no sack. Nopum gave up eight pressures and two sacks. Uh, Jeremiah Cologne came in, gave up four pressures, no sacks. Coleman Shelton gave up a pressure and a sack and was at, taken off the field and did not return. Um, Daryl Henderson, six opportunities in uh, pass pro, uh, zero pressures, four for Higby, one pressure, three for Akers, one pressure, two for Blanton, zero pressures, two for Skoranek, zero pressures, and one for Malcolm Brown and zero pressures. So far, Joseph Nopum has had a rough year, and I think people need to talk about that. I think we do need to discuss it because he's allowed five sacks. He has 20 pressures allowed, and he has two penalties. But if you look, and I'm not making excuses for Nopum, but he did play up against Bobby Evans in this game. It does not help when you're not playing against your guy. And it doesn't help when you're playing, uh, you know, up next to a guy that you, you know, isn't very good, right? But then you look, however, 16 pressures of those 20 came in week one and week four, okay? And all five sacks came in those weeks. So week two and week three, when he was playing next to David Edwards, who is balling out, by the way, uh, they really missed him in this game. You know, that says something to me. And no boom is a guy that gave up two pressures in the playoffs and did not give up a sack. And I'm not about to just completely can this guy. I've already seen people saying he's not the guy. They need wit back. Wit is not coming back unless it's an absolute dire need right now. Wit doesn't make sense because they have two offensive tackles where you're going to put a six, seven guy at guard. I mean, maybe, but they don't need a tackle right now. Okay, they need Havenstein to get back on the right track and they need Nopum to get back on the right track. And I think they can do that. Uh, Dallas is a tough one. Okay, this is going to be a dogfight this upcoming season. This is not a Dallas preview, but this is just showing you that, look, you know, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, those guys, they pose issues. They they corner blitz. They, you know, they have Dorrance Armstrong. They have all sorts of guys that can create issues. Uh, so they will have to account for that. But. Going into to this game, being without David Edwards and losing Coleman Shelton, it was like the rug was pulled out from under the Rams and it was hard to really, you know, adjust to that. The Rams held, you know, they, they hung in there. They held on for dear life and they lost. There's no excuse moving forward. The hope is David, uh, David Edwards will be back this week. The hope is that potentially you're going to get Brian Allen at some point soon. The hope is that Coleman Shelton is not banged up. Because right now, this team needs help 
when you look at it, I don't think the offensive line is bad. I think it's a good offensive line, even without Allen. I think when you look left to right, Nopum, Edwards, you have Shelton at center, and then at guard, you have Jackson, and right tackle, you have Havenstein. That is good enough. You can win a Super Bowl with that offensive line, believe it or not. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be last year's offensive line, but you can win a Super Bowl with that offensive line because what that offensive line does is if you look at last week and the week before, it gives you time to throw the ball, and Stafford needs time. However, it's really hard to game plan around an offense that is you know, forcing 28 pressures on its quarterback, seven sacks. That's different. So looking at it, I don't think the Rams are in as much danger as they look because it looks bad, but the offense line's banged up right now because once they get healthy, they should be good to go. So that that's a big thing for me. You know, since week two, Jackson, Shelton, and Edwards have only allowed one sack. Uh, they need the offensive tackles to play better. No doubt about it. They need more out of the offensive tackles. But I'm not sitting here worried about the offensive tackles because you have to imagine that they're going to get things going. Oftentimes, what we think when it comes to offensive line, we discredit how important it is to have continuity and consistency. And we see it in preseason. You know, Alaric Jackson did not look great in preseason. He was also starting alongside Jack Snyder, who did not make the roster, and Bobby Evans was right tackle, and we saw what Bobby Evans looked like at guard. Think about it. You, you can't evaluate talent in preseason because you're putting one guy in there, and he's around a bunch of other guys that are just, just guys, Jags. When you put a guy like Al- Alaric Jackson with the starting offensive line, that's when you get to see what this guy really is. And what he is, is a good player. They found a very good player in UDFA from the Big Ten out of Iowa to the surprise of nobody, really. And, you know, I think that's something that it's a good sign. It needs to be said, needs to be explained. But last year, folks, last year, the Rams opening day offensive line went seven straight weeks without getting hurt. Okay, and they had 14 starts together, 14, including the postseason and six different combinations, which six different combinations sounds like a lot, but it's a full season. It's going to happen. You're going to have injuries this year's Rams team. The opening day offensive line made it one full game before getting hurt, and they've had already four different combinations. So two fewer than last year, and it's week four. So. Let's look at it like this, okay? It sucks. I understand the, the, the loss sucks. They're 2-2. Two and two. It's not the end of the world. It's not. And the good thing is there are ways they can fix this. If Edwards is out at left guard this weekend, they can put Ode Abushi in there who has more experience at guard than Bobby Evans does and probably should have been starting anyway. At center, if Coleman Shelton's out, Okay, they got a veteran in Matt Skura on their practice squad. They could add him to the active roster and start him over Cologne, who doesn't have as much experience. Or they could start Cologne. I don't think he played horribly. I don't think he was great, but I don't think he played horribly. Then at right guard, you have Alec Jackson playing well. Okay, so I'm not about to can Jackson after he had three pressures, didn't give up a sack, and is pretty much not given up a sack the entire season. 
So that, that's actually a good point there. And then Rob Havenstein is a good right tackle. He needs to get back on his horse, but this is somebody that is a captain. He's one of the better offensive tackles in football when healthy. And nope, boom, he has to get it together. But if those guys get it together and say Ode Abushi and Matt Skura are at left guard and center, it's not the best, but it's not the worst. If Shelton is at center and Ode Abushi is at left guard, not bad. If Edwards is back, and Shelton is at center, and then you have Edwards. So you have you have Shelton, you have Edwards, you have Nopum, you have Havenstein. That's four of your starting five that are still in the lineup. So there's some continuity there. These guys have experience playing with each other, and all five of them played with each other uh, you know, in week three against the Arizona Cardinals. So that's something to keep in mind, and week two, I believe. So that's something to keep in mind. They're not doomed. They could be doomed, however, if, you know, you go through, you know, the the interviews today, the pressers today, and Sean McVay comes out and says, Coleman Shelton is out for the year. That would be a problem. And I, I still don't think they're doomed, but that would be bad. If they came out and said, Edwards is going to go on IR, so he's out for four weeks, that would be bad. But Edwards could be back this week. And Coleman Shelton, will will wait till we hear about it, but... I really think that everything is going to be okay. I'm not running to the hills. I'm not screaming about this team. Uh, the you know the end is near. No, it's week four, going into week five. The Rams are two and two. They have the same record as a lot of other really good teams. They have the same record as the Ravens. They have the same record as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, the Giants are three and one. Do you think the Giants are a better team than the Rams right now? Probably not. So here's here's how I'm looking at this. It could be a lot worse. The Rams moved the ball on a top five defense despite all of their issues going on. They moved the ball. Okay. The defense is playing within the system despite the fact that they are also banged up. So pretty much the Rams are just trying to persevere through these injuries. If they get worse, they get worse. And if that happens, that's kind of out of your control. And they're going to have to get really creative fast. But here are the facts. Odell Beckham Jr. could be around the corner towards the middle of the season. Van Jefferson is back week eight. You could be looking at Brian Allen back. Coleman Shelton, we don't know anything about. Hopefully he's back. Edwards could be back next week. Those are the facts is that they can get healthier and it's not over and they still have their guys and the connection can build between Stafford and Robinson. But one thing I have to say is that the, the thing that I want to see if I'm changing anything going into, you know, week five against Dallas, I want to see Daryl Henderson on that field. And I want to see him get 15 touches at the very least. This is somebody that a lot of people have felt like, eh, he's not that great. Doesn't have a ceiling. Cam Akers has more upside, all of that. Here's the thing, though, okay? Is it Daryl Henderson who's not that great? Or is it the lack of usage with Daryl Henderson that's held him back? Daryl Henderson has two, count them, two games with at least 20 carries. He has eight with 15. Cam Akers has five with 15 and has three with 20 carries. 
Akers has struggled. Yes, he had a nice game the year the, the game before, but he struggled for the most part. He didn't get to two yards per carry in this game. There was a toss crack to the outside, a quick toss, and he did not read his blocks. He was too slow and did not push up field. And there was a hole there. He ends up getting a loss. Henderson hit that exact hole against Arizona. Now, again, I'm or against Atlanta, I think it was. Again, I'm not saying that Daryl Henderson is Todd Gurley 2.0. But the best way right now to orchestrate your offense is get that pass-happy attitude out of your head and really start moving forward with the balanced approach. They shouldn't be running 18 times in a game that was predominantly a one-possession game. They should be running a lot more. And honestly, last night, the offense line wasn't great. I'm not going to sit here and say it was. It was not. But running the ball, they seemed to find some creases. They weren't dominant, but you could run the football. You could. Henderson averaged 3.9. That's not 1.9. We've seen Tampa Bay hold guys to... 20 carries for 44 yards last year. The 49ers may be the next Tampa Bay defense like last year against the run, but they were not that last night. The Rams could have run the ball more. They did not. It put Stafford in more of a worse situation. It basically put a magnifying glass on the offensive line. At the end of the day, that's what ends up happening. So Henderson needs to be utilized more. He only had six snaps and six opportunities in pass protection did not allow a pressure. He needs to be utilized more, period. He needs to be on the field. And they got Malcolm Brown in, and they used him twice, and he had one pass protection snap, and he didn't give up a pressure, and they didn't ever give him a carry. They needed to run the ball more in this game, and they didn't do that. So going into Dallas, you're going to need to try to establish the run. You can't just say, well, Dallas is going to stop us. You can't do that. You got to try to establish the run. And by the way, not going to Dallas. Technically, they're going in LA, but they're facing Dallas in LA. Establish the run, use the play action, get things going between Tyler Higby, between Cooper Cup, between Skoranek, between Allen Robinson. You got to continue this thing. You got to keep doing it because regardless, okay, regardless, you have to make things happen. You can't sit there and make excuses. Van Jefferson's not back yet. We can't score. No, no, no. That needs to be fixed before Van Jefferson comes back. Then you reap the rewards because when Van Jefferson comes back, your offense gets better. Here are the facts right now. The Rams just scored 20 points on on, uh, week three. They left 21 on the board, or off the board, rather. They scored 20 against Arizona in a game they absolutely dominated and should have won by probably 20. So they scored 20, and they scored 9 last night. That's not going to cut it. This is an offensive-minded coach. Sean McVay has coached some massive offenses. This is going to hit a breaking point. They have to find it, and they have to find it quick. I think they're going to, but it has to start at the run game. So if I leave you with anything, the offensive line, not worried about. Get healthier. They look good beforehand. The defense, not worried about. Tackle a little bit better. They look fine. But you got to actually run the football. 
Stafford last night played pretty well, despite the fact he had no time to throw, did not have a run game established. And I mean, who else was getting open besides Cooper cup? And even he wasn't getting open consistently. So that's my thoughts. Run the ball. The Rams are going to take this loss 24 to nine 49ers played a good game on the defensive side. The offense, I thought they were pretty ordinary. I thought the Rams defense held them in check for the most part, aside for what three plays that really blew up the game. But there was a chance where you were, you were sitting there like the Rams could actually do this. Don't forget that they were driving. They had the pick bad play call, bad decision, bad, everything. You move on, you bounce back. Sean McVay knows this. They're two and two, and now the road ahead is going to get a little bit lighter, but it'll also get tougher pretty quickly as well. So Dallas is not a pushover. They actually look better with Rush than they did with Dak, and their defense is one of the best in football. So that's all I got for you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I'm Jake Ellenbogen. You can follow me at JK Bogan on Twitter. You can also check out my YouTube channel. If you're not watching it now on YouTube, you can check it out. Jake Ellenbogen. I put plenty of Rams content out there. Uh, you can also check out the Believe channel at Believe on YouTube. Uh, Believe Sports, I believe, on Twitter. And uh, that's it for this episode. I'll be back later on the week for the preview Rams Dallas Cowboys. But until next time, you guys take care. Later, folks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.